Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vole, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And joining me tonight, my Chief Inspector, Brendan McAlinden. We got word from Jude, he's still alive, uh, but we were worried the election might have killed him, uh, but he is still alive, uh, but he does need some uh, some kind of power up time, uh, as I'm sure most of the country probably does right now. So, Brendan, what's up, buddy? Uh, anything going on today? Yeah, it's the start of the college football season. Um, the Mac fam- finally kicked off. Uh, we had some real humdingers. Uh, the start of the Mac season opened up with an Akron onside kick, which I, uh, I, th- I think we can all expect Brian Kelly to open up the Clemson game much the same way as Akron did. Um, let's just hope it doesn't uh, carry on like the Akron-West Virginia game or, or uh, Akron-Western Michigan game because uh, the Broncos of Western Michigan dropped a 58 spot on them. Um, my, uh, I guess, um, condolences for your loss. Uh, the uh, yeah. the factory looks like uh, looks like the factory um, is still shut down uh, for the time being. As your Eastern Michigan Eagles are zero uh, one. It, it's not ideal uh, to start a season zero uh, one and a conference loss. Season. A conference loss uh, at that, uh, but. I mean, I, I can. Um, I mean, we, we we can find our way. Definitely, we can definitely find our way back. Uh, it's just uh, it's disappointing. You would you would think uh, when the last image of your team is Mike Glass uh, trying to knock out a referee uh, <laughs> yeah. after a after a uh, heartbreaking bull loss, uh, that your team would be fired up. And apparently, they came out pretty flat. Um, come on, Emu, get it together. Well, we are here tonight because it's finally time. It's, I know the blast podcast, we, we, we kind of ripped through the Georgia tech review a little bit and, uh, talked a little bit about Clemson. Uh, but now we're here. This is, this is the, the official, Clemson preview pod. I mean, we finally made it. So we can, we can, we can talk about them, right? Yeah, we can, we can, we can talk about, we can, we can freely talk about them. Uh, but before we, uh, we do that, we need to open it up to some, uh, freely given ratings and reviews of the show. Are they good reviews? They are great reviews. We have three five-star reviews here for you tonight. Again, please go over to Apple Podcasts. Please rate and review this show. Uh, it really uh, not, not only does it help us out, we just, we just love the feedback, uh, mostly. Uh, but uh, we are looking for those five stars, and we are looking for some lovely written reviews. And uh, I got some of that for you tonight, so let's, uh, let's get into it. Uh, first one here from... Kavanaugh Hall, 92. Help with the pronunciation of Polynesian players' names. Please remember to keep up the interesting stories about things like Clashmore Mike and the Lost Hawaii Bowl Trophy. This sets you guys the most apart. Since I am confident, however, that you always want to have the smartest overall college football podcast out there, (laughs) 
Uh, he didn't use smartest in quotations, by the way. Inspector, uh, correct. I thought I would give you a quick lesson in Samoan pronunciation. Who knows? This might even help you with Cruton down the road. First off, MTA, Myron Tagovailoa Amosa. Uh, Myron, just kidding. But the last name is said Tango Vailoa Amosa. The tricky part is that any G in a Samoan sounds like more like the NG. Preferred softened twangy. Closer to uh, plain English or Spanish N, for example. Next is Clemson's new starting quarterback, who may have Hawaiian blood as well, but the last name is definitely Samoan. DJ Uanga Lele. Lele. See, I can't even, I can't even like read off the, the, <laughs> the pronunciation. Right. Uh, again, Aga is almost like any sp- a Spanish woman's name, Anna, but with a little soft, with a soft little glottal stop in the back of the throat for the G. Now, for bonus credit, Samoa is never properly pronounced. Samoan is never properly pronounced as Samoa, as many mainlanders do. Properly said, it's Samoa. Do oh, this, OFD that. Nation. <laughs> this is so informational. Do this, OFD Nation, and you will honor and impress our Pacific Island U.S. nationals, many of whom are also proud members of our military. Keep up the fine work, folks. Kevin Aha, 92. Uh, I will say that there has been a long tradition on this particular podcast. And even this goes back to Wesson Martin, where I came on a, uh, I came on one of the shows and I think we even entitled it. Uh, we'll t- like give us all the Polynesians. <laughs> uh, there's a huge segment involved with, uh, about recruiting, uh, uh, Pacific Islanders, uh, all the Polynesian kids. Give me all the poly kids. We want them all. Every Polynesian so, uh, kid that's ever come to Notre Dame has over overperformed ex- his recruiting ranking, and that includes Manti. Manti yeah, absolutely, 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 every single one. So yeah, I'll take them all. I mean, just just keep sending them. The I, I have no problem with that. Now uh, Mar- Maris Leofau needs to step it up a little bit, but uh, but he but he has time. He has plenty. Of he's time. got time. He's got time. Yeah. In fact, yeah. he's got. I mean, he redshirted last year, right? And this year is a non is a is a non scholarship year uh, because of uh, the coronavirus. So technically, he's got four more years ahead of him, right? Is that is this how we're doing it? I think. I mean, if they want it, they can have it. I mean, technically, Sean Crawford can go back for a seventh year. Uh, Ian Book yeah. can come back for a sixth year if he wants. So yeah, yeah the the whole numbers thing, which which was going to lead me to do a. Uh, I keep threatening to do it off rails podcast, but I get so busy uh, throughout the week. I just, I don't even have time to do it, but I was going to go off about, uh, about recruiting. And uh, yeah, there was, there was a, um, Oh, Dante Thornton. Uh, There's kind of some reports that Notre Dame had, had just kind of, you know, backed off of him. And that was before his commitment to Oregon because they had gotten three wide receivers and, you know, but it's, are they not going to recruit a wide receiver next year? Are, are they really worried about numbers? Because as far as I'm seeing, I, we have numbers to spare, right? We have this whole thing because of the coronavirus. Plus we have, we're having all these transfers go out. I think Notre Dame's recruiting class can just like, I think they could technically sign 25, 26 kids pretty easily this year. But correct me if I'm wrong. Um, 
it could kind of be a robbing Peter to pay. It could be a robbing Peter to pay Paul scenario with the expanded scholarships next year because it's going to create a headache. Twenty twenty two. But that was the whole. That was kind of the conversation I I wanted to get into, um, even if it was just with myself. Was that? Yeah, it is robbing Peter to pay Paul, but uh, it's a pretty good. I mean, would you? I mean, you're still getting a elite type level of talent. I just can't wait so, to get that elite type why, talent why to sit you, on the bench for three years. Why would years. you ever push that away? If you could get yourself an extra elite player, and but that just causes you to have a less number the next year, uh, why would you not? Why, why would you not? Because Dell Alexander why? won't get him ready till 2024. Yeah. And then maybe by then, uh, Brian Kelly. Maybe he might, didn't know who Dell Alexander didn't know Dell Alexander's name. I don't know. Might right. be possible. On to the next review. <laughs> this one's from LaRosie17. Most underrated ND receiver of all time. Love the podcast. You guys entertain the hell out of me because you tell it like it is. I think the most underrated ND receiver of all time needs some love, and that is Derek Mays. Dude was a monster for no bigger than he was. And the best big play receiver I've ever seen at ND before Will Fuller came along. He wore jersey number one as well. What are your thoughts on Derek Mays? And who are your favorite and most underrated ND players of all time? Keep the podcast coming and let's settle the score with Clemson this week. Go Irish. Levi from Illinois. Uh, yeah, Derek Mays was. Uh, well, he, he, I, I'm trying to figure out how he is classified as underrated, though, because I think if you. I mean, maybe just old because I, you know, maybe some people don't know. Maybe maybe he just hasn't talked about indie circles enough. But I think if you brought up the better receivers in Notre Dame, I think we'll be. I think Derek Mays gets. I know Tim O'Malley will like jump through like a wall to tell you everything he knows about Derek Mays. I think uh, if we're talking underrated wide receivers, at least in the modern Brian Kelly era, it starts and ends at T.J. Jones, right? 70 catches, 100, uh, you know, 1,108 yards, receiving nine touchdowns in 2013. And, and I mean, that 2012 season was no slouch either because he had 649 with four TDs with 50 catches. So I, I, I don't know. I'm TJ Jones. Nobody, nobody mentioned CJ Jones really they looking don't, back. They don't. And, you're, and you're absolutely right. You're talking about a guy who, who played four years. Yeah. He played. Hey, Brian Kelly doesn't play freshman wide receivers, right? Uh, wrong. Uh, absolutely dead wrong. Uh, and, and he got a lot of snaps. Uh, that and he had more than a cup of coffee in the NFL. He played for the lions for a solid amount of time. I, I don't know. TJ, if we're talking now, TJ is making his bank up in, uh, up in the great white North now, right? Yeah. He's, he's, he, is he still, yeah. is he still in the league? I know he moved down from the lions. Uh, I don't know where he went. Um, well, but, he went to, we went to the uh, CFL. Oh, did he go to the CFL? Good for him. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Which, you know, two of my. I, he I was mean, with I the Giants know, maybe, last year, but he had a. Maybe he had two a of um, the, oh, go ahead. Two of the more underrated Notre Dame receivers, because Devaris Daniels, and, you know, Devaris Daniels was underrated. Like, as far as like his physical skill, what he could do at Notre Dame, maybe yeah. underused is a better word than underrated with Devaris Daniels. But it's funny, both him and TJ Jones. In the CFL. That's fun. And, 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 you know, toot daddy, 
Daniels, he, he was ripping the CFL up. Like in the uh, kind of in the uh, footsteps of uh, Rocket Ismail. I wonder, and this is something here. I wonder if Notre Dame you know, is able a, to get Chase Claypool. You know, we are a, C, if, we are a CFL uh, wide podcast. receiver feeder school. Where uh, we're, even uh, our quarterback play. <laughs> wide receiver. Yeah, well, yeah, Jarius Jackson for sure. Yeah. And then we get uh, wide receivers from Canada that we put in the NFL. <laughs> I, I wonder if Notre Dame gets Chase Claypool, if not for TJ Jones, because TJ Jones is from Winnipeg. Uh, he's a Canadian boy, and certainly it's a, a, yes. a serious amount of distance from, um, you know, British Columbia. But uh, I mean, that's uh, Notre Dame heralded. Yeah, I was, I was Canadian about wide receiver TJ. lineage. Like he grew up in Canada, right? And then they moved to to, to Georgia. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, yeah. he was he was born in Canada, but. Uh, you know, that gets around, right? It's not it's not too often you see a lot of uh, Canucks. Uh, I'll take I'll take the best Canucks they got every time. You know, um, they're t- they're tough off SOBs up there to, to go through those kind of winners, especially. So if I was Notre Dame's recruiting coordinator, Manitoba, I mean, that's, I would have an awesome mix of Canucks and Polynesian you know? kids and I'd fucking kill everybody. Uh, that's a tough ass team. You get a team. Yeah. You get a mixed team of some of some Canucks and some and some Polynesian kids, buddy. You ain't losing a bar fight ever. That's good, man. Especially, especially if those Canadians are drunk on hockey. <laughs> they would, and they would be. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely would be. All right, and then our last uh, last review of the night. Uh, five stars here from our take. Great show. You guys do a fantastic job. I look forward to the podcast. Sweet, simple. That's all we're asking for. Whatever else you have is great. We'll answer questions. Uh, we'll take, we will take heaps of praise, uh, but please take the time uh, to rate and review everything that you leave there. I will read on the next OFT podcast. You didn't even have so, to say anything horrible about home run in or nice about tombstone. So uh, that was a win. Pretty, uh, Pretty good about uh, keeping the bullshit out of here lately. Uh, it's it's been a month and a half or so since someone tried to diss uh, home run it. I think what happened but is is that they were they pissed about the pop I think they maybe they wanted to test it and they were like, all right, I'm gonna dunk on this home run in, and then they tried it and they were like, well, Josh is right, can't do that. You, be, you guys should be dunking more on Jude being a downer. <laughs> He'll love that. Maybe, yeah, I mean, uh, and let let his cynicism uh, get a little razzing there. So, starting off with Clemson week, Brennan, I gotta tell you, I went into our DMs, uh, you know, with our group, and yeah, I, I I I vented my frustration level with the media. Um, it start it started with the with the Clemson press conference and like, and I wrote about it later that night. And, you know, I said, you know, I sat there for 35, 37 minutes with my hand, with my virtual hand raised in the, on the zoom press conference. And of course was continually someone else's name was you was called up. Uh, Ralph Russo from the AP gets there late. Doesn't already hear the one question. And the only question we needed about election day 
um, was answered. So he asked that again. So Kelly gets to just burn through 15 minutes for that. Bit. It doesn't, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a sidebar, you know, it's a, it's a sidebar question. Uh, so anyways, what's more important for Notre Dame Clemson week than talking about the election. Yeah. And, and of course the last person they call on is Dennis Dodd from CBS and he's not even there. And then they just end it. Uh, yeah. I had, I, I won't say, I was, I was going to say, I, I like your questions. Yeah. I, I you know, it, right. And Brian Kelly by and large a bit had been answering these big picture type of questions from everybody. But what happened was, is that, Basically, he got attacked right from the jump. And you know it what was was it was it seven of the first nine questions explicitly about trying to put this game into broad context? It reminded am me. Am I right? Lot, am I right there? It, it reminded me a lot of the post seventeen Georgia game, where everyone tried to make it bigger than what it had to be. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. So like he was getting he was getting his big game record basically like thrown in his face. I'm sorry, I don't care who you are. If 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 that was Nick Saban and they were like throwing him shit like that, the press conference would have ended. It, it would have I've, I've seen that press conference. I, I sent a supercut of the, the Nick Saban stuff. When when Nick Saban gets pressed like this, and when I hear the national media guys um or not the national, but the beat guys, the Notre Dame beat guys, like get indignant about it. Go watch a Nick Saban press conference where he tells you, he goes, I don't give a damn what you think. He he says that to his beat guys and he's like shit yeah. through a tin horn and just Nick Saban. When you ask him these big picture questions or try and like, why didn't you score poison. enough points? Yeah. Poison. Rats so, poison. <clears throat> so the whole thing was, was very contentious. I mean, yeah, at one point, you know, loose emoji of uh, blue and gold asked Brian a ke- uh, question, but use the term like you said, this is Clemson games a measuring stick. And Kelly very quickly corrected him and said, hey, I never said that. You know, don't put words in my mouth. I never said that. And Lou tried to, like, say that he did. Brian was not backing down. Lou ended up. I mean, it was like a it was a one minute of are we really doing this? Like, are we, are we really, are you really trying to put words in his mouth? Did you think he said it? And you, you couldn't have very quickly, you know, Lou stood his ground and tried to say, well, you said this and Kelly's like, okay, but I didn't say that. You know what I mean? Like I know that the media seemed very, a was very contentious. Uh, and then afterwards, a lot of them were pissed acting like Kelly didn't, was wasn't giving them what they wanted. And so I wrote a big story about not even a big story. It was just, I, I vented to the, to the guys in the DMS and I, and I kind of put some of that into a story was that, look, these guys all had this e- enormous hard on after the pick game. When Kelly honestly answered a question about Clemson that he had talked to his team about him. So everybody with stories all geared up and ready to go. We're like, fuck, yeah, we can do this now two weeks ahead of time because Kelly just said this. I mean, this is all we want to talk about. Like, there's not even a college football season other than this one game. Uh, And so then Kelly reminded them during the during the press conference, like, look, you know, we have other games after this. And Kelly's absolutely right. If Notre Dame loses this game, they were trying to paint this into like winner takes all scenario only for Notre Dame. 
Like if they lose, everything's over with. Now, but Kelly has to report back to 115 players. Yeah. He can't go in with that kind of attitude. Do you think that's the message he needs to send them? No. When it absolutely, when it absolutely isn't, because there absolutely is a chance that they could lose. And then are they going to tank it then when they still have a chance to win an ACC championship even after a loss? It makes no sense to go in with the with the same type of mentality that we would have in a normal year when you don't need to have that this year. It's are like you nobody- familiar? Are you familiar with ESPN's uh, college football playoff predictor ranking? Right, it's it's their own little, I guess. Nate Silver for all he's worth. Ha ha ha. Are polls predict- worth anything? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, but it's their predictive model. Um, that shows, you know, what are, what are your, what is the team's chances to make it to the college football playoff? And I was, uh, I saw the one today, they, they put out the one for the Clemson game. And if Notre Dame beats Clemson on Saturday, Notre Dame has a 48% chance of making the college football playoff. Do you know what Clemson's chance is if they lose to Notre Dame this weekend? 85. It's a 48%, 48% chance. So, so if, if Clemson loses... Uh, well, yeah, it's 85. If, if if Clemson wins, it's 85. If Clemson loses, Notre Dame and Clemson then are both sitting there at, at 48, basically a coin flip okay. because they play again on December 19th. And it doesn't matter because, like you said, there's there's still a season to play. Granted, uh, the, the last Syracuse player, uh, rem, uh, scholarship Syracuse player who hasn't uh, declared – um, or opted out for the season, turned the lights off because uh, they lost their best uh, cornerback today, um, and they just keep dropping out. But I mean, North Carolina's got a high-powered offense for all of the the foibles of them, and it's on a Friday, Black Friday. There's still the Boston College game. There's some traps ahead. So if right, you're Brian Kelly, I, you can't. I hate to start. I mean, I hate to start a podcast like talking about. Uh, not even like a moral victory, not, but not talking about the merits of, of moving forward after a loss. Cause that's, that's definitely not my mood. Uh, no. but that's what the, that's what the beat kind of forced this into by trying to force these, uh, these stories on everybody that nobody fucking needs. Everybody knows what this game means and what it doesn't mean. We don't need like 15 different opuses about it. So instead, instead of getting like ridiculously stupid serious about it, I don't know. Let's have some fucking fun with it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, do Brendan, do you enjoy college football? It's my favorite thing in the whole world. That isn't uh, my wife and children. And and why why is college football your favorite thing in the world besides your wife and children? Um, because it is wholly unpredictable on most Saturdays, and um. There's nothing like it in the world that that uh, even when I'm sad, it makes me feel alive, my good man. Right. Because there, there's, there's nothing, nothing like better. It. There's nothing better than an than a mass organized uh, stupid event. And there is so much of college football that it just absolutely does not make any sense, and is absolutely dumb in every way, and it makes it the most beautiful and gorgeous thing available. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Who and could have predicted Michigan not, State beating Michigan? After exactly. There, there's, absurd. There, absurd. And there's so much of it. 
Like the yeah. like it's not just the NFL, not just these these thirty you know some odd teams here. You have a massive amount of pick your poison each week, right? Yeah. Even like even bad weeks, even like boring college football weeks where there's bad matchups and maybe not a whole lot of games or, and we've seen that with COVID and we've definitely seen it with Notre Dame's schedule in the ACC this year. Yeah. There's still a ton to pick from that's fun and interesting and funny, which makes, and that's all enjoyable. Uh, so why, why, why would you just forget all of it? We're nine Why? weeks into this puppy, man. We're nine weeks into this season, if you include the the sort of bogus first week. Nine weeks into the season. So it, the clock's running, right? I mean, the last the last regular season game was supposed to be 12-5, but then they now it's 12-12, right? So essentially there's a month left. So and let's enjoy it's a, it's a good one. It's, it's going to be a good chunk. Clemson, yeah. Boston College, Wake Forest, who's kind of sneaky good. Two December games, two regular uh, season December games. This shit is great. This is it's. Yeah. Look, I stopped after after seeing some of the stuff coming out uh, after the Brian Kelly uh, press conference. I stopped consuming any other bit of information from other outlets. I mean, normally I am a voracious like absorber of what's going on. So I, so I have a good idea what's going on from all angles. I I like the different opinions, uh, the different angles that everyone has, you know, I'm not myopic in my, my views. You know, I I like to know what everyone's thinking out there. And this week I got to tell you, I fucking quit. I fucking quit too much. I, I, you know, if it wasn't for the, I don't know, three, four month buildup, of everything through the Clemson lens, maybe I could take uh, the coverage this week from other people. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, that wasn't the case. I cannot take it. Uh, add in a national presidential action, and no, I, 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 you know, you should absolutely consume our content, but I have no, <laughs> I have no, uh, uh, like no, like willpower to 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 consume all that, and that's, I mean. That's their fault. That's not my fault. I I, I was over buzzed by all this. And well, the Josh, funny thing is, like, it was all such a waste because there is no Trevor Lawrence this game. No. Like so much of the talk was such a waste because so You're much not buying of into um, D, DJ Uyunglele coming in and being a savior for them uh, after uh, shred in Boston College. Uh, the vaunted Boston College uh, pass defense. Yes, I yeah. might add, uh, vaunted. Which, I, I mean, it's just like I, I need to get this game out of the out of the system, right? Well, because, here's what we got to do, man. Because of stuff like that. Here's what we have to do. It's simple. Let's make the best damn Clemson Notre Dame podcast on the market. Fuck the narrative. Fuck the bullshit. Let's make the best Clemson podcast. We're not going to look big picture. Let's just talk about a football game and let's break it down, have some fun with it. And let's make the best one that there is. Yeah, let's let's do do it. it. Hey, so let's kick it off. Let's kick it off like this. We teased this maybe in the last podcast or maybe another one. And and you got it done. 
What makes then, what's one of the things that makes college football great, Brendan? Well, um, what's, for what's me, the things that you know that I believe. Oh, it, I believe it, it is something that uh, we are um, simpatico with this. Uh, it is ridiculous. Well, first of all, it's uh, the fact that teams roll out ridiculous jerseys for ridiculous games, and we'll probably get into that too. But it also is the oldest tradition in college football, and that is the rivalry trophy. Absolutely. The, the absolute nonsense of rivalry trophies. It's, it is, it, if I write one book in my entire life, it is going to, and trust me, this is a, a pet project. It will be about college football rivalry trophies. Uh, and if there's one thing that horrible. we've done at OFD is we've created our own rivalry trophies. We made one for the Iowa State game, right? We absolutely did. And uh, folks, uh, if you didn't already tell, uh, because it's on the, on the, on the pot art, but there, we have one for this game. We look, there is no USC this season. So the big dog and Jack Swarbrick refuses to put Michigan state back on the schedule. So what do we have? Uh, Boston? Co- okay. Boston college. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about There's two trophies, but they're both well, <laughs> with their, with their two trophies. Uh, let, let, let's just make one. Let, let's let's make more out of out of this big game. So you put a rivalry trophy in, it just it means more, right? Because now it's the battle for the. And Brendan, you can explain what explain what you did. I, I said, hey, and all this was all Brendan. I said, hey, make a rivalry trophy for Notre Dame and Clemson. A couple of days later, boom, that's in my, that's in my inbox. Perfect. So, Brendan, explain what we have going on here. (laughs) It is bring your own guts trophy. (laughs) If you recall the 2015 game, which I maintain with the almost this. This is the thing. Clemson's run, I think, is completely predicated on the 2015 Notre Dame football game. Because before that, Dabo Sweeney was like a 10 and 3, 9 and 4 kind of coach. Right? He was 10 and 3 the year before. Um he actually beat uh, an 8 and 4 Oklahoma squad in the Russell Athletic Bowl. Right? That was that was his big thing. And and I think the year before he played, he he had a 70 spot dropped on him by uh, uh West Virginia or something like that. Um but what really set the tempo for Clemson as a program was the 2015 season, right? That was that was what it's they like. Went to the college November, it's like it's like November 12th, 1955, in the Back to the Future universe. Yeah. It is the central part of of what made what, and that day, that that game, that day, catapulted Clemson. To what they are now, they never looked. Would back. they still have been? Would they still have been a good football team had they lost? Yes, they would have been a good, excellent program. But I think Brennan and I both believe that their rise to being an elite power in college football all stems from that game, that huge moment, a uh, huge win, uh, just absolutely buried their past and to move forward, to become what they, what they are now, which is an absolute 
juggernaut elite college football program. It and it all game. started with four words. Bring your own guts. That's what Dabo Sweeney said in the press gate, post-game press conference right after the field. The, the rain's pouring down. Never loved and hated anything at the same time so much. And he said, BYOG, bring your own guts. Got into the locker room, danced like a fool. Clemsoning stopped happening. Clemson catapulted off, went to the college football playoff, didn't win, uh, but didn't came win. back and won it in 2016. And they went to five straight. They've been in, is it four straight or is it five straight college football playoffs? They've I think been they've, been in every, they've been in every college football playoff since 2015. So yes, since that, that is true. just bring your own guts. So you know what? That's the trophy. The, the BYOG trophy. BYOG. Bring your own guts trophy. Um, I think that the trophy probably because what what is the best Brian Kelly trophy? Is it the megaphone? No, no. I do love a megaphone, but it's not. I mean, it's definitely the it's the Jules Shillelagh is the best. Uh, but what trophy. is the? He doesn't bring it. I don't even know if that exists. I, I maybe well, have seen it in his hand once. There's only one trophy that there's two trophies well, that Brian Kelly. There, there's one brings. trophy that he handled that he handles that we know of. Yeah. And that is the legends trophy with Stanford. Cause he's drinking the red Gatorade. Uh, you know, he's, ch- he's chugging out of it. So it, the guts trophy, like the piece of the aggro crag, which I've, 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 I've done here. <laughs> um, it's like a liquor luge. So I want to see Brian Kelly in a post game with this goddamn trophy. Like I want to see so like, an upset, like, 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 like a Kamikaze shot. Yeah. I, I want to, I want to see Liam Eikenberg and Tommy Kramer holding this trophy up and Brian Kelly on the other end. And then like, you know, Ian book up on Javon McKinley's shoulders in order to get up high enough uh, for a trophy that uh, those two big boys are holding up, pouring like uh, a shot of Jameson down this liquor luge right into Kelly's mouth. It works for me. So (laughs) I love it. I love it. I mean, why not? Right. So this, I mean, so do we send, if, if we lose on Saturday, do we send, uh, like a, a framed picture of the to shake it in the Southland, SB Nation's Clemson site. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Like it's this is your guy. This is your guy. I mean, it's theirs right now, right? I mean, they own it. So Notre Dame is three and one against Clemson. Um, Notre Dame Clemson has won the last three games in the series. Uh, most recently, 2018, 2015, and 1979, I believe. So seven was the truly to become this is going to be a rivalry uh, simply because of the ACC arrangement. And even if Notre Dame doesn't uh, retain its ACC status, you would hope that Notre Dame just in the frequency that they're going to be playing Clemson, that this becomes a rivalry. And you got to win a game before it can become a rivalry. Right. 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 You have to you have to at some point, unless you play them every year for 70 years. And at some point, and even then, it's very. It's like Notre Dame Navy is not a rivalry. No. We've talked, we've discussed this before. It's not. It's, tra- it's a tradition. That's it. And about Minnesota one. and Michigan play for a very cool trophy, the Little Brown Jug. Very cool. It's a very cool trophy, but damn it, if Minnesota can't win that game, so it's not really yeah, a rivalry. It's, it's not really a rivalry. They just got. They have a rivalry trophy. It's not like the Paul Bunyan 
which is oof, True. yeah. Uh, which is which has been passed back and forth quite a bit over the last fifteen years. So, oh so, God, did you did you see that picture of a uh, uh, of dude riding back on the bus with that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's what uh, I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's I'm talking about. You got to have those yeah. kind of trophies. So Notre Dame needs. So maybe there's a rivalry trophy, but in order for this to be a rivalry, Notre Dame needs to win this football game. And frankly, when you look at it, just Notre Dame as a program needs to win this football game. There has never been a game that has been put a, a lot of times. Uh, the breaks don't seem to go Notre Dame's way in some instances, but. This is a game where every break sands the weather, which it's going to yeah. be like almost 70 degrees and, and, and gorgeous. It's going it, to be pretty. Maybe it's good because, you know, I mean, it, I mean Brian, Kelly, Brian Kelly teams do not re- really react well to bad weather. Yeah. So maybe this is like a, a, a subtle gift uh, yeah. to not have bad weather, but it doesn't have to be bad weather there might be a little something. nip nip in the air cold, maybe it cold, gets down cold to weather it's not bad weather right now but like so clemson it would have killed, killed god to to just make it you know 30 degrees with a with just a, a, a tiny breeze on just Saturday a slight night. breeze um like, uh, like, specifically like eight with, miles an um, hour with a 12 mile an hour gust i mean come on who had the ball <laughs> in his freshman hands but this is a game that Notre Dame needs to take advantage of because it was announced today that their starting defensive tackle, Tyler Davis, who's kind of been off and on injured all year, uh, is out as well as what is Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Simmons replacement, uh, Mike Jones, uh, is also out. What's my name? Is, Mike Jones. Man, absolutely enormous because Clemson is already me. down, um, you know, Skoski, they're they're starting middle linebacker and the heart and soul of their defense. They're down there. Trevor Lawrence, right? It's their their wide receiver core. They're down their number one wide receiver from the the start of the season, and it's just Amari Rogers and some Jags back there. This team is ripe, specifically defensively. They're down like four or five starters. And Travis Etienne hasn't been as productive as you would. Now listen. Before We're I starting four new starters on their offense. Travis Etienne is an absolute beast monster. He's fucking incredible. Yeah. But he they has put him out team. wide. Yeah. They had him out yeah. wide and he had a 30 yard, t- 30 yard touchdown uh, scamper. Um, yeah, they're trying to get the ball to him. But the problem is, is that this is their down guys. And especially with Lawrence out. Yeah. Know, the teams are, I mean, you, you're able to key in on ATN a little bit force Clemson to beat you through the air and, and you know, keep ATN in check. I think a lot of teams, that's the game plan to like play. Look, Clemson's beat the shit out of almost every team they play this year. And even when they get a little down, I mean like they were down 18 at BC and then just stormed right back. What I mean, was your so favorite second half point Boston college <laughs> scored? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's like, yes, BC played them close uh, but the way that it wasn't a full game close, the way Clemson just said, you know, fuck this and then took care of business in the second half is way better. So this is more about them than a, a, a full game closeness, right? Like this was a kind of like a, 
they just, they stormed back and win it. Like they, they yeah. played fuck around in the first half. Uh, BC got lucky on a, a little bit. And... I mean, BC got lucky on some plays. Uh, so and then Clemson just came in and like, take care of that. This is a good football team who who handles their business. Uh, and yeah, they'll have some moments. But ATN has not been as productive as you would, as I would have believed before the season. No, I, uh, I, I did, I did the thing. I did, uh, some, some diving in on them. Um, I, so right now, currently Clemson just in Travis Etienne, I think most of us can agree is probably the most talented running back in college football. I, oh, absolutely. I'm, but I think what he's going but, but through somebody says he's not, and I'll, 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 they're wrong. They are wrong. Because nobody's better in space, um, his ability as a pass catcher is is unmatched. And really, what I think of when I look at Travis Etienne, like the way he runs, he's intimidating. Isn't it? Well, it reminds me. Do you do you remember? Uh, obviously, you do. But um, Saquon Barkley's final season at Penn State. If you look yeah. at Saquon Barkley's stats, his final season at Penn State, he barely eclipsed a thousand yards rushing that season. And a lot of yeah, what he a, ended up doing, Josh was, Adams. Josh Adams yeah, Josh was Adams very, uh, yeah, that, that was a thing. Like, all right, how can Saquon be, which, I mean, obviously he's a, he's a huge generational talent, but you're just, Hey, hey look at these stats. Look what Josh Adams is doing to, to Saquon. You're right. That's kind of like the, that's the type of season ATN's having this year. Well, it's cause, um, uh, Saquon's line graduated the year before. So Saquon came back and his line didn't. So Saquon had to find other areas um, in order to make his impact. And it was the passing game for him. And that's kind of what's happening with Travis Etienne, too, where he's Clemson's second leading receiver right now. Like he's got 434 yards receiving on 29 catches. That's so ridiculous not, for a running back. So uh, so Nada and Latson are out Saturday, right? Um, I mean, if they are in, I'm not sure, uh, especially Nada, uh, who's essentially been a ghost. He's got six catches for 69 yards. So I'm not sure. Yeah. He's incredibly talented, but, um, availability is, uh, you know, uh, availability is very important, um, for, uh, for a player. I mean, for all of the talents of Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay, um, you know, if you're not available, how, how, you know, what, what is it? And plus, if, if your, um, Uyunglele doesn't, he didn't get a spring, right? He was out the game that he would have gotten the most reps would have been the, uh, you know, leading up to uh, prior to uh, the start against Boston college, but the game he would have had the most reps would have been the, um, Georgia tech game. He was injured for that game. He missed out on all those reps. And that's when um, Tylenol Pharaoh, because <laughs> I'm not even, I'm not even going to go there. Uh, <laughs> but I think internally. Uh, you like my name, right? You yeah, like Tylenol, Tylenol Pharaoh, uh, the, <laughs> the third string uh, quarterback. Uh, he got all the reps against uh, <laughs> Georgia Tech. So um, I don't know if there's that, if you're a freshman, if you're a freshman uh, quarterback, do you look beyond Amari Rogers and Travis Etienne? Maybe Bra- maybe Braden Galloway, their tight end, but I don't know. 
I feel like this is a game where. Uh, well, let's. So here's something interesting. I guess I wanted to do with this when looking at this Clemson team. Um, who's the who's the best? And, and Greg, friend of the pod, Greg brought this up, and I kind of want to expand on it a little bit. But who's the best player on either side of the ball when Notre Dame is on offense? So when Notre Dame trots out there on offense between Clemson's, Clemson's defense and Notre Dame's offense, who's the best player in the field? Uh, uh, I mean, it's got, there's a, oh God, what's his name? The, the corner for Clemson. You, you'd, um, uh, why can't I think of his name? This is, Nolan Turner? No, um, the young kid. Oh, Andrew Booth. Yeah. Yeah, Booth. So would you put him above Liam Eikenberg? Uh, no, no, no. So I got, Liam Eikenberg is the best player, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was looking at it. I guess I was looking at it as more of like a just skill position. No. Yeah. Notre Dame's but I mean, like, He's got three guys probably more talented than... Uh, I guess I guess from the top down, yeah, okay. And then if you flip sides to the other end of the ball, without Trevor Lawrence on the field, um, I mean Travis Etienne probably is the best. I don't think that it's up for debate that Travis Etienne is likely the best player on the field. But the second and third best player, I feel pretty good about JOK and Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, I do too. Above Amari Rogers, right? Yeah, I mean they're they're really asking Rodgers to do more than what he's supposed to do. I mean, and, and he's done done well in that role, but most of that role this year has been with Lawrence at quarterback too. Yeah, so and he's five foot ten. So I mean, he's not he's not supposed to be a number one. No, uh, but he's he's had to play he's had to play a number one basically uh, all season. Yeah, with uh, Justin Ross out. I mean, he was supposed right. to be the guy that that accented Ross perfectly. And uh, frankly, Frank Ladson Jr. was supposed to maybe be that guy. And and maybe in Gata, too. Uh, both of them are 6'3". And neither <laughs> one has. I mean. Neither one. I mean, they've neither one have been spectacular. No, they've, I mean, they've got some they've got a fair amount of touchdowns. But they, their their catch and yards aren't really. I mean, <laughs> Latson has nine catches for 128 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, it's a very it's a very strange. Oh no, excuse me, that was that was uh, 2019. Regardless, still 17 catches for 272 and three touchdowns. It's a very. I don't know. That's we're in game what they're they have seven games behind. 87 of those yards and two of those touchdowns were against the Citadel. Yeah. Well, so he's never had a, a I mean, in his last four games, uh, Miami, Georgia tech, Syracuse, and I, he was, uh, Boston college, which was a, didn't, didn't record anything, but I mean, he's got under a hundred yards and eight catches in his last four games. So, and that's Ladson. So, and that's with Trevor Lawrence. So I don't know it. I feel that 
there's a lot of, there's a lot of very good players on Clemson's team. Um, Brian Brazzi, um, for example, their freshman uh, tight end. There's a lot of young guys. End, defensive end. Yeah, they're, well, they're all sides. young. Yeah. There are a lot of I mean, sophomores and freshmen that play. <clears throat> they're extremely Miles talented. Miles Murphy is really good. He's a he's a freshman. And, uh, you know, uh, Brian uh, Brazy, he's a he's a freshman, too. But like, um, but like yeah. that, that, that highlights the loss of someone like like Skalski, right? Oh, yeah. Guy who's a fifth year senior. He's basically like your your Joe Smith, Ben Bulware. He uh, he's he's kind of like their um, like as far as like a linebacker defensive leader. It's almost he he's very much like a Drew Tranquil. Is he got everybody in position? He was like the the field general for their team. He, well, he's uh, yeah. who was the guy in um, Ben Bolaware? Yeah, I was, he was like I, a I slightly said, yeah, more talented. He's a fifth year. He's a slightly Maybe more talented. Ben more Bulwer. talented, less crazy, right? Because Bolaware is a fucking. Oh, they both have a neck roll or had the neck roll going on. So, but you gotta love. You gotta love that. Oh, I love it. I wish Notre Dame had a neck roll fullback. Maybe Tommy Tremble can get a neck roll. So yeah, but so I guess. I've, yeah. It's one of those game. It's one of those years for Clemson where they're they're very good, but this is a team that probably being carried by their quarterback, right? Like Lord, like going into the season, looking at this, you had no, you know, already knowing that Justin Ross is out. Like, all right, they have a great quarterback that can get the ball to anybody, so it doesn't really matter who's lined up out there. But they still have Amari Rodgers, and then they, in the very end, they have Travis Etienne, even with an offensive line that I don't want to say suspect, but it's they're not great. Four it's new starters. Great, yeah, it's not a. They're great only offense. averaging 166 uh, rushing yards per game, which is good for 11th in the ACC and 55th nationally. And that's rushing yards. And that's with Travis Etienne because the guys behind him aren't particularly good. He's still getting his kind of, uh, he's getting 5.88 yards per carry. Um, and you wonder why they're rolling up points on teams like Georgia tech. It's because they, they kind of have to pass it. Yeah. Like, which is, well, which is sad when you have a Travis Etienne. Yeah. Cause he should just be chomping up yardage. Wow. It's, yeah. It's, 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 it's a weird it's a weird year for Clemson because like, like we said, they're, they're a little young. They're still very talented. <clears throat> they a lot of, a lot of space on top there with some star players, but those guys are all gone right now. No, just, I mean, no, Justin Ross, you have to say it cause he was going to be a part of this team. Yeah. No, Justin Ross. Uh, and now you're you're really struggling with receiver wise, and even with the guys coming in, uh, Nada and Latson, not really sure about their status, um, you know. And then on the defensive side, you know, you guys got some out. I'm not sure if you uh, talked about uh, uh, Xavier uh, being out for the uh, first half for targeting against BC. But I mean, the, I mean, Xavier Thomas, yeah, Xavier Thomas is probably he was in the uh, 20. He was a freshman uh, pass rush specialist in that uh, 2018 playoff game. Right. right. I mean, yeah. And then you have the, the first half, guys. which yeah, you're right. He's I, I totally it totally skipped my mind when I'm going through like players they have out. And one of their best pass rushers, uh, who's not a true freshman, 
is out for the first half because right. of a target penalty against Boston College. So what I mean, what you're trying to lay out here through all this, well, I guess what you're trying to lay out is, and I really I don't appreciate the stories out there about you know this is if not now win for Notre Dame or or this is the best chance to get it, but honestly, like it kind of fucking is. Like this is kind of like the you get him at home. Um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, it's not 25 degrees, which would help Notre Dame tremendously. Yeah. And the, the uh, stadium. Just, uh, yeah, that's just a shit. That's a, I don't care what you, I, I don't, I don't want to argue with Jude when he's not here, but I don't really care what he says. That's a shock to the system to Southern kids coming up for that. You can't prep for that kind of weather. You could prep for rain easier than you can balls cold. Uh, so anyways, uh, but it's set up. This game is set Miles up. Murphy from Marietta, Georgia, know about 30 degree weather, right? An 18 year old kid. Yeah, does he know play, about 30 degree playing weather? football in that weather too? I first mean, time, first time Liam Eichenberg hits him on the line and he feels that stinger in the cold folds like a tent. And let me tell you, Liam Eichenberg, St. Ignatius in Cleveland. Let me tell you about a Great Lakes win- winter. It's you know, the lake effect. The lake effect around the Great Lakes. It's a so- it's a solid uh, nasty. Okay, so uh, this this is a soaking it up kind of shit. Notre when Notre Dame played Arizona State. Not, this is we're getting off topic quite a bit on this a little bit, but just kind of explaining why it's important important to Clemson that it wasn't that way. When Notre Dame played Arizona state in 2014 and a lot of people made a lot of hay about the heat middle of the day game out in the desert and, you know, late in the season, right? The big temperature difference. And I scoffed at that quite a bit. And the reason why was because the way Notre Dame recruits, they recruit nationally. And like, there's a lot of guys that are on, that were starting and, and contributors on this team that were from warm weather areas. So I was like, you know, I'm like, this isn't, this isn't a thing. It's not going to like shock these guys. And in a sense it didn't, but at the same time, it absolutely drained their bodies because they were not used to being in that type of environment. It's just like anything else for anybody going to any kind of massive difference, time change, jet lag, going from, you know, Michigan down to Florida for your vacation. It it wears on your body travel, right? We talk about travel and 2018 miles. The weather, the big weather change is a shock to the system. So it was extremely important of all the things that set up for Notre Dame. The one thing that wasn't was one that I thought would have probably been just as effective as not having uh, a guy like Skalski out there. So the, in a way, I, you know, I was Clem- hoping you'd go with Skalski and Trevor Lawrence. I was like, whoa, 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 no, whoa. I'm not going, I'm not going with Trevor Lawrence. So in a way that kind of evens itself out, right? It's, it's going to be a, a regular temperature that they're used to, as opposed to a huge shock to the system. So I don't know. So I get, uh, but, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm on board with that. I think that that's, but, every, but for so much, so much else that has to do with this game. This does get into Notre Dame's, I don't want to say favor, but it, it, it's leaning towards this is helpful 
right? I don't want to say favor. I will say this is helpful for Notre Dame. Um, it, it, there's a lot of things that are this is helpful for Notre Dame going on for Saturday. And I don't know where game day is tossed into that. If that's if that's a thing for them at all or not, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, some guys need their – still kind of need their head pulled out of their ass and play a little better on Notre Dame's team. Yeah. And does a, a big spotlight like a like the, a matchup like this, number one versus number four, game day's there, even without the crowd and, and all the awesomeness that goes along with a normal year of college football, what does that bring out of you? Some guys for some guys, this that kind of environment, that kind of setting has you play above what you've shown on the field to this point. And Notre Dame kind of needs that right now for, in several spots. Wide receiver is definitely one of them. Yep. Quarterback, kind of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, Ian Book, Ian, Ian Book needs this. And look, I, I will, I'll go to bat for my boy, Ian Book. And because, And I'll call him my boy because apparently people are saying he's my boy. Just because I said, you know, that there was no way Phil was going to beat him out. Beat him out. Yeah. He just wasn't going to, (laughs) if that makes book my boy. Okay. I'm just telling you the truth, but Ian book needs this game. He, he honestly, honestly, God needs this. If if this has nothing to do with his NFL career, which will probably be a whole lot of nothing and that's okay. Yeah. But just for his legacy at Notre Dame, which his name should be up there, absolutely should be up there with the greats that Notre Dame has This had. puts him right into Rick Meyer territory, frankly, if he gets this game. Where do you think he's at? Like, oh, so, let me ask he's in, He's lumped because in with I, the I, same I, sort of – he's like – and this is going to anger people, but he's right in he, there. With is, is he in Brady Quinn's level? Okay. Because Brady Quinn never got I – mean, Brady Quinn – Ian Book has had bigger wins, let's be honest. Yeah, name name a big win Brady Quinn had. Doesn't have one. Maybe beating a nine Michigan and four. Michigan 05. Maybe that Michigan, Michigan 05. six. True. So I I don't know. I'm not gonna slander Brady Quinn. But I'm never gonna won, say, never won a bowl game. Never won a bowl game. Uh never beat USC. Never won a bowl game. Um but uh, I mean you get this game and you're immediately into sort of that Rick Meyer tier. Th- the next tier would be uh Tony Rice. Right, Joe Montana. Joe Montana. Yeah. Where do you throw Clawson into those tiers? Clawson's sort of the know, Dan Marino of it because – Because you know me. I have Clawson ranked above My Quinn. wife hates Clawson so much. I know she does. Uh, but I have Clawson ranked above Quinn because I, I – I, and I will always feel this way. tools defensively to – Defensively, Yes. Quint, you know, I've told this story before on the podcast, but for any new listeners, uh, I wrote a story once that, that had Jimmy Clausen ranked as the number one quarterback of the last 20 years or whatever uh, over Brady Quinn. And some people lost their fucking minds. One of them was Brady Quinn, who messaged me and thought that was a bunch of bullshit and stated that, you know, he he said Clausen had all these weapons like Brady Quinn didn't have any weapons, right? Like, I don't know. Did Jimmy Clausen ever have a running back like Darius Walker? No. Did Jimmy Clausen uh, have a running back who went for more than 700 yards? Did Did Jimmy Clausen have uh, Jeff Samarja? No. Yeah, I mean, it's like, 
Raymond was, McKnight is had, no slouch. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Maurice Stovall. Come on. Quinn had plenty of talent to throw he to. Yeah, Anthony Pisano, who was a pretty good tight end in his own. I don't respect. know what he was bitching John about. Carlson. There's some names. I, and his offensive line. You, like, you I know Kyle Rudolph. Put, Kyle yeah. Rudolph and Michael Floyd and Golden Tate are fantastic. And even Duval Kamara early in his career, fantastic. But you can't bitch about Jimmy having those guys when you have McKnight and Samarja and Stovall, Pisano. Uh, and, and a running game for Jimmy. <laughs> the offensive no- line in front of Jimmy Clausen was yeah. on roller skates lathered up in Crisco oil. I mean, uh, he was, yeah, that 2007 and 2008 yeah, so, season was just so unfair. I'll definitely have, I have, I will always have Clausen ahead of Quinn. Yeah. Uh, and people like Quinn better. That's why. Right. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't piss them off like Clausen. Whatever. He's a better so quarterback. Ian wins this game. He jumps both of them. Um, yes. And and you're in Rick Meyer territory. And Rick Meyer, I guess, is sort of my gold standard of Notre Dame quarterback who didn't win a title. Because then then you're talking about Tony Rice. Then you're talking about you know Theismann in Montana and uh, you know getting down to. Um, getting down to, 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 to title winners, which is, which is right. you know, a huge, a huge aspect that, that different differentiates guys. So if book can get this win, it's huge, but I don't know. Uh, Not only that, but th- when I think, think about, think about this. If Notre Dame beats Clemson, yes, the path, the path to not just the playoffs, but something that's just right underneath that, but, another double digit win season in a season where you're given, I mean, I don't know, I guess they'll get 12 games now if they, if they go, they'll go the ACC type championship game. So you can't really say that, but you know, getting double digit wins in four seasons. Yeah. Now granted, now granted, Brandon Winbush was a quarterback in 2017, but without Ian book. And this, and this is how quarterbacks, they don't get that 10th win. What, well, yeah, this is how this is how quarterback legends happen. It's it's in bowl games, right? Without Ian yeah. Book going into that Citrus Bowl against LSU, they don't get that win, and so yeah, doesn't complete years. that third and long leading up to the uh, eventual touchdown too. I mean, that's uh, so yeah, you have four you have four years, but if you want to dismiss all of the good wins that Ian Book has through his through his time at Notre Dame. That then you that he has to have this game. I think Ian Book is is already in that Rick Meyer type category in my mind, just because of what the team has accomplished. Yeah, but to get to to really be there for others, he absolutely has to win this game. Uh, it's just Rick Meyer would win this game. He'd also lose this game. <laughs> just let you know. Sure not like Notre Dame didn't blow one. <laughs> Notre Dame was well known for for seasons of close call blowing games. Uh, but yeah, this is this is huge for Ian Book's legacy, um, and he's got to know that, right? Like that that has to. <sighs> so if you're if you're approaching you know, this game, what I ask him after the after the game when Notre Dame beats Clemson, when they I do, will def- I, I will definitely ask Ian Book. The legacy question. Now he is a 
he he is the Berlin Wall of post game chatter. He do, he does not. They're well taught. He doesn't say anything. It, it, yeah, words come out of his mouth, but nothing is given. So I will be interested to find out, uh, knowing that he probably won't say much about it, other than concentrating on the, you know, the Boston next game College. against Boston College, but in ACC playoff. I'll be interested to find out though if he does break from that because that is a huge moment for him. Because look, this is a kid who was a three-star quarterback committed to Washington State, an absolute afterthought for a lot of fans. Was never supposed to be the guy. It was supposed to be Brandon Wimbush, uh, and then uh, Phil Dracovic. and here he is, and. You know, he's, he's, he is the, he's Tommy Reese on steroids. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good. So, so getting him to talk about his legacy, which if Notre Dame wins, this is absolutely in my mind, cemented, absolutely cemented as one of the, uh, the great Notre Dame quarterbacks of the last 40 years. So, so what I'm not sure as far as Ian books, um, so Clemson has two very good uh, – the, the strengths of Clemson is their defensive ends and their cornerbacks. So when you look at Clemson right now going into this game, their strengths are on the outside. So where do you – is this a game where it's going to come down to Ian Book or where is the path to victory for Notre Dame in this football game? Well, the path to victory is probably you eating your hat, right? Well, because probably, <laughs> yeah, because I don't know if Tyree's the, getting those 10 touches. Well, because uh, I mean, you, you're the one who, who mentioned this earlier today. We could be seeing a lot of, I, I know Notre Dame's game is the, is the counter in the outside zone, right? In the running game. Yeah. But there's so much missing in the middle of the field. And I don't know. I mean, I don't And that's not Tyree's area. No, but maybe I shouldn't say that either because of one thing that we do know is Notre Dame's wide receivers can block. They have and, a and they, have, they have a fullback that can block. So getting to the outside can it can still happen. You you may not have those 20 30 yard gains, but if you can get to the outside and get 6 8 yards of carry, which I think they're very capable of doing, Control the game, control the clock. Same recipe as what you've been doing because you're just you're not an explosive offense, Mm -hmm. but you're very efficient, methodical, methodical, more methodical, yeah, more methodical than efficient Uh, is the path of success. But because there's lacking so much up the middle, like Sebo Flemister might see a bigger role in here. Yeah, They, they they like him inside getting those three yards. Uh, they really enjoy that. If he can hold on to the damn football. Um, so it's a, it's a plan. <laughs> I, I look at this game. So Brent Venables is very good at his job. He's the defensive coordinator for Clemson. Very. Good. What he is very good at is second half adjustments. And what I mentioned, what was your favorite Boston college uh, point in the second half? That's kind of the jam. Boston college was up. 28 to 10 in that football game. They didn't score again and they didn't score in the second half. So 
Brent Venables made adjustments in the second half and Brent Venables um, just in football games, uh, he doesn't give up third quarter touchdowns. And it's tough when you look at this team um, to kind of judge whether or not, uh, you know, fourth quarter touchdowns because Clemson always gets up so big on these ACC teams um, that they're ending up putting in, in, in that case, third stringers. But in most, um, in 2018, I believe they gave up a total of three third quarter touchdowns in the entire season. In 2018, they once again gave up three total touchdowns in the third quarter. And then in uh, last year, um, I believe they gave up, uh, or no, they gave up two total in 2018. And then they gave up eight touchdowns last year in the third quarter. So if Notre Dame is going to win this game, and with the adjustments that Brett Venables is going to make in the second half, much like Clark Lee, if you're going to beat Notre Dame, you gotta you gotta get on them early. Um, look at the Clemson game 2018. Clemson didn't do a whole lot in the second half. All of the damage was done at the end of the the half with uh, Julian Love out. Um, I think Notre Dame's got to start this game lightning quick, a lot like the Michigan yeah. game where they got out. 14 nothing and they they put those they scored on the the those two early drives um and i think that if you're going to beat clemson you need to start fast score early and hang on for dear life in the second half and it might be an instance where notre dame wins a game with one of those drives like they had against um you know georgia tech to start it but also louisville to end it and um was it the, well, the, at the key, end of the pick game? The key just, with that kind of strat, the key with that strategy there is this: is that especially in this game, if you were able to do that, if you're if you were able to strike fast and furious in the first half, get a little bit of a lead, you know, possible lead, and then try to hold on for dear life. What you're doing in, in essence is taking Travis Etienne out of the football game, taking him yeah. halfway out of the football game. And it puts and the all the pressure it, on their true freshman, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, DJ Uyangalele. Look at us. We've nailed it every time. Uyangalele. We we are, we are done, crushing this. We've done a good job. I, I hope I hope his his father uh, understands the respect that. I have for his son and for him, uh, and for, <laughs> because that is a very big boy. <laughs> He is big. His dad was a big boy too. I saw his, his dad on the side. He's a bouncer. He's for the so stars. big. You're not gonna not see him in Notre Dame Stadium. No. <laughs> he is gonna be. He's gonna cast a very large shadow. He is a. He's a monster of a man. But anyways, but Notre Dame would rather would. I, the best game plan is that. Now whether they can do that or not is, you know, that's a whole different thing. But that would be your one of your best case scenarios is is jump up jump on Clemson, and then force them to you know to make DJ beat you through the air, and you know with a sometimes suspect offensive line, yeah, not as much talent at wide receiver as nope. we saw in the playoffs. You know with Ross and Higgins last year, the year before, yeah. I mean they'll still use ATN in the past, sure they're gonna have to, but you're taking yeah. you're taking you're taking those carries out of him, uh, which can be deadly at times. I think that's, I think that's a, that's a solid 
game plan if you can get it to work. You know, that's like, yeah, everything's perfect if you get it to work. But that's that's definitely the way that would be the route. If Notre Dame's the clearest route that we could think of is a route like that where you, you jump up on them early and then you, you know, you force them to, you know, come back on you. Notre Dame's a much better defense than Boston College. Okay. So second best defense, uh, maybe in the nation. I'd, I'd argue for maybe the best, but it's tough to say because they're never on the field because uh, no. they, uh, they turn over so quick. Yeah, they're pretty fucking if, good. <laughs> so here's, here's a curious thing I was thinking about. Um, Notre Dame doesn't hasn't to this point in the season run a ton of tempo, right? So if you're watching film for Notre Dame 2020, and I don't know, sometimes as fans, we look at it and we go, ah, oh, they're holding something back for a specific game. And then everyone always tells you that you're an idiot. Um, Cause why would you hold something back? You got to practice it because you do, you do need to practice it. I, that's why I don't expect wide receivers to certainly you know, come in and all of a sudden be a huge factor in this game. It's going to be mostly tight ends and Javon McKinley, Avery Davis. But I thought you're leaving the Avery Davis eventual <laughs> pass in this game. Uh, well, that might. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get you to make me not eat a hat if Avery Davis catches a pass because I've been calling him for it for like eight weeks. Uh, oh, so so you you need a uh, you need an out, huh? Yeah, I need an out because I don't. I, I'll grant. I'll grant that. I'll grant that because he throws that, a pass. But you know why? I grant that to you. Being the uh, the magnanimous ruler that I am, because you have been so diligent and almost every time talking about Avery Davis, mentioning that he's going to throw a pass against Clemson. <laughs> uh, so I will grant you that uh, that the out in that contract for the hat eating. Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, you've been calling it for, for a I've month. Been, I've so. been calling it. So, okay. so I guess my other my other call shot is, do you think that Notre Dame would come out of the shoot in this game to put Brent Venables and his defense on their heels, missing a bunch of players, a lot of new starters out there having to play? Do you think that Ian Book and Tommy Reese come out in this game running tempo? Is that something that you could see? And is that something, or do you just stick with what gets you where you were at and just do stick to your stuff? <laughs> It's not a bad idea, but I'm not sure if that's what they're going to do. You know what I mean? Like, like if you pitch that to me in a meeting, I'd be like, you know what? Okay. I can see that. But, you know, looking at it there, I just, I don't know. Like it's their offense has been functional. It hasn't been great. It's a good word. And for so it. I think that you kind of just kind of have to do what you do dance with the girl you brought yeah you know in a way i i think you'll see you're you're gonna see some wrinkles like this there's Notre Dame isn't gonna try out the same i mean i brian kelly's absolutely right you you don't hold shit back like but like they mean like in a lot of things right like you're not charlie weiss breaking out the spread option offense against georgia tech in 2007 but you do, yeah, you do have some wrinkles and, you know, as you do, it would for a lot of games, but these big games, you have a package or two certain plays. Um, but maybe you're right. Maybe the biggest thing isn't just different plays. It's how they do those plays 
Maybe it is with tempo. I don't know. Uh, I think they go. I, I I think they they just be who they are, which is a bunch of fucking monsters out there. Yeah. You have big wide receivers, big tight ends, giant offensive linemen, running backs that know how to run the football, and more importantly, they they know their way. They're not well outside of Sebo Flemister, but I mean Kyron Williams and and Chris Tyree even they they can read a block, right? Like that's they're not just like slamming into a into a hole. I just think I think they think Will Monster out there use your size advantage and just be just out physical. Them. Can you out physical? Them? Cause this is one of the, I, I I've been saying it for all season long. This is one of the more physical Notre Dame football teams that I can remember. Both but, sides of the ball. I mean, yeah, this is, that defensive line. I mean, never mind the, 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 the end production, but on the interior MTA and Heinish, those two boys get after it. Do you see what they called? Uh, the dude from Clemson called Heinish. No, what they call Heinish? Called him a fire hydrant. <laughs> That's a very up. good description because he looks like one. <laughs> yeah, he said, "Man, he's tough. You know, he's a fire hydrant." Yeah, that's a great description of him. But yeah, this is a, this is a very physical, very tough Notre Dame football team, and not just like they're not just scrappy. They're big fucking guys that are physical. Yeah. That's a huge difference. This is a med- uh, Midwest football team. Yeah, and so I think, and if you can throw your weight around, so to speak, uh, they're going to be able to do some of the things they want to do. It's not, I don't think it's going to be, it's not going to be flashy. And that's fine because again, and that's offensively, again, defensively, you're not giving up a lot of points. I do not understand the predictions for these massive blowouts. Uh, I don't get it. I, I don't. I, just the laziest type of journalism around. Who do you think is more like, like, like after fans. a turnover? Because the only way Clemson big points fans. get scored in this game is turnovers, right? Yeah, Clemson Book has one cocky as fuck. They really yeah. are a cocky group, and with every right to have been over the this this run they have. And they got a few rings. Clemson fans are not so sure about this game, and not really about the outcome. Although a lot of them think that there's a good chance they lose. And that's, but that's not my point here. My point is that I don't, they're not really lining up thinking that they have a good chance to blow it out in Notre Dame where you have all these other media members out there or pseudo media members talking about blowouts. Like what the fuck are you talking about? Like, obviously you have not paid attention to Notre Dame's defense or what Notre Dame wants have, to do on the football. But, it's, you're, but you're right. They don't have these crazy defensive stats, right? Other than not letting people into the end zone. <laughs> uh, you know, intercept, there's not a whole lot of turnover. They're not, they don't have a turnover chain. There's not a whole lot you of turnovers. seven total turnovers gained. Um, they don't they're have a not, ton of sacks. They don't have a ton of sacks. You know what um, they do have? They do have a lot of tackles for loss. So yes. that's one thing that Notre Dame does have. And that's because they keep teams because they're good. off and the they're field. Good and... They're great on third down opponents, third down conversion rate of teams that have played six games or more. No one in America has a lower third opponent, third down conversion rate than Notre Dame. Notre Dame is only allowing opponents to convert at a 24.36% clip. There have been 19, 19 third down conversions in 78 tries. 
this year. It's pretty. It's pretty good. That's really good. Pretty good. That's yeah. So, you know what they do? They get teams off the field while these other chump teams like a like a Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, can can get turnovers and sacks because they're allowing yards and teams to continue on drives. Notre Dame is not allowing teams to continue drives, uh, which is a big thing. Um, but Clemson is a team that's converting third down at a fifty point four five percent clip. But that's what Trevor yeah, Lawrence. It's a, yeah, that's what Trevor Lawrence. So, <clears throat> and look, it's not like it's not like Clemson has played a bunch of world, world beaters, right? I mean, we That's we still really don't problem. know what Miami. We still really don't know what Miami is. No, right? That's Clemson's biggest game so far, right? Yeah. We yeah. still don't really know what Miami is. So this will be, you know, it, it kind of reminds you of that 2018 playoff match where they said, you know, you, Notre Dame didn't play anybody. Well, like, yeah, all right. Well, Clemson didn't play anybody either, and it was true. Uh, so you know, second quarter happens and the game happened, but they, you know, they had said that Notre Dame was a tougher out than Alabama. Well, one it. point better. Uh, Notre Dame lost by 27, Alabama lost by 28. Uh, right. But even, you know, even, even other yeah. than that, they had said, you know, Notre Dame was just, just played tougher. And yeah. uh, so maybe, maybe that was a year. It would have been great to have played Alabama. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, that, that certainly lines that up, but this is, Two of the it's a number one number versus number four matchup. Big. This these are big. This is the big boys. We're the we're a big boy. So, we're a heavyweight man. It's Brian it's okay. Kelly. Look. Oh, go ahead. Hold on. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something, Brendan. Yeah. Say you're a heavyweight boxer, and you are really fucking good. Yeah. Don't but push my girlfriend have, down the stairs. Well, you just haven't won the belt. Oh, you beat some. Okay. You beat some. You've beat some good boxers. You know, you you have a lot. You have have a, have a good career. How do you? But you just you haven't won the belt. Are you still a heavyweight contender? Uh, I mean, the answer is yes. Technically, yeah, of course. I mean, you just need that bowl of hash, like Cinderella Man, like uh, uh, right? The I mean, the, the how, how long how long did it take Evander Holyfield to win a to win the belt? Took him a while. It, yeah. it, t- it took some of those guys a while. It took some loss. Took a loss here and there too for some of these guys. For the guy were able to win the belt. What I'm saying is, is that just because Notre Dame didn't beat Georgia last year, didn't beat Clemson in the playoffs in 2018, they they still have some really good knockouts, and they're still right up there. They're still a heavyweight. They're absolutely a fucking heavyweight. So thinking that they're just going to get run off the field. Or knock the fuck out in the first round. No. I mean, this is like Mike Tyson in Japan right now. I mean, if you think about it, I mean. Well, the perfect one is, uh, you know, the pride of the Irish, right? Um, James Braddock, Cinderella man, right? He had 20, yeah. he had 26 <laughs> losses. And he rose up, you know, late. In the, he, had, he ate that bowl of hash and he beat uh, Max Beyer in the, in the, in, uh, he won, he won the title. 36. So, I guess, I guess my, my, my overall theme and point here is that don't don't just don't just uh, don't just assume that that uh, what you think is going to happen is going to happen and, and for you know both negative and positive 
But mainly I'm talking to people out there who just think that this isn't going to be a game because of whatever, whatever, whatever. You start putting all the pieces together for this game, and I think you can make an argument that this is Notre Dame has a great chance to win this football game, a, a, a better than perceived chance. Well, let's get into it then. You want to do, you want to do the picks? I didn't get Jude's yet, but I'll I'll get him in there. You want to do picks? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do that. All right. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll hold Notre Dame for the end, and we'll, we'll run through these real quick. Um, there's a lot of home dogs this week. Um, so the Texas Longhorns, after a big win, uh, knocking off the Yoki State. Where are we on the leaderboard here? Uh, well, I didn't I don't want to get into that. Um, currently, you're up. You yes. are, uh, you are, you are top dog. You have, uh, uh, 13 correct. Jude has 11 correct. And I have 10 correct. So you are, you are currently in the lead. Uh, none of us at this point is making money. Vegas, you got to hit 55%. Um, but I, but I think that this could be the week that it turns around. All it takes is one good week. You, you, you really, um, uh, for, if you hit off five, I think then, uh, you would probably be at that 55%. Did you count the. The uh, Penn State game? No, that's a push. Oh, no, no. Oh, I didn't. I, um, no, it was uh, Ohio, uh, Penn State, right? Yeah. Was that a push? No, it wasn't. It was 12-5. So you were right. Yeah, there you go. I put it in there. There we go. So actually, your lead is uh, more um, indomitable at 14, 11, and 10. So... <laughs> All right, let's get it going. Texas hosting West Virginia. West Virginia um, coming off a big win, but Texas also, uh, West Virginia beat uh, previously Big 12 undefeated Kansas State. Uh, They are traveling to Austin to play Texas, coming off a win against the uh, previously undefeated uh, Okie State Pokes. And Texas is a six and a half point home favorite. Who do you got? Well, first of all, uh, we should pat ourselves on the back for our Texas pick last week, which I thought was easy. Like I thought so too. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State was ripe for the for a loss. Texas was kind of due for that type of win. Yeah, that that's, that's the that's, Texas way. That's you're right. Which makes this week, I think, easy. And by the way, uh, I know West Virginia wasn't included last week in our picks. But I had picked them on, uh, you know, on our staff picks thing. Yeah. And I had saw a couple of people talking about they thought like the, even the spread was ridiculous because how much better Kansas State was than West Virginia, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought that was laughable. And I, I picked West Virginia last week to, to be to be Kansas State straight up. Uh, but. They get it this week, too, against Texas. Texas does what Texas does. Texas and do what Texas do. Inconsistent as down. fuck. They are the, they are Notre Dame of the late nineties. They, uh, that is a very good comparison. Uh, Texas is back only for them to then the next week lose to maybe the best defense in the, the big 12. Cause uh, I think West Virginia is the um, 17th ranked scoring defense in the uh, big 12 b- behind Oklahoma state. But uh, I like the way, I like the way the, the Mountaineers are playing. 
so give me West Virginia as well. We're not going to get a, a ton of difference there. So I'm not gaining a game on that's you there. A, and that's a fair amount of points. Six and a half decent enough. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Um, so Windiana hosting Michigan. Nine Windiana. Nine Windiana. Maybe ten Windiana if they win the Big Ten. Uh, <laughs> uh, Windiana hosting Michigan are a three and a half point home dog. So Michigan, despite the loss to Sparty, is a three and a half point favorite. Indiana is a better team than Sparty. Yes, they are. I don't, I don't Michigan. Minnesota is not as good as what everyone thinks. Nope. And they never should have been looked at that in that light. And their Michigan, whole team was, their whole offensive line was full of COVID. Yeah. I mean, Michigan is just, they're not a guy. Uh, much, much uh, thank you to all the pundits out there who uh, signaled that Michigan was back after a win against Minnesota. I wish they were yeah, saying probably even Platt. before that game. Uh, I appreciate Mike Valenti uh, calling everybody out for their stupidity. Uh, See my Twitter was, for the uh, oh, the, I, the sound clip. Absolutely, yeah. Give me give me Indiana. Here's the here's the time for Indiana, right? You've had all these close games against. Here it is. It's at home. They're, Michigan's coming off of a uh, <laughs> should have never lost that game to Sparty. No, he still did to a bad no. dude. Not a. It's not even a good Michigan State. Michigan State lost to Rutgers. Okay. Yeah. By double digits. Yes. By, <laughs> yes. By, it wasn't even a last second field goal type of loss to Rutgers. Right. You double digit loss to Rutgers. Very bad. Uh, Slippery Rock would have had a better day. All right. So give me Indiana. That's easy, man. That's fucking easy. Indiana at home. A part of me wants to say that, like, Michigan's not that. No. If Indiana wins this game, they have a driver's seat to the, uh, you know, going into the their eventual showdown against Ohio State. And Michigan then is staring down the barrel because after Indiana, Michigan's got to play Wisconsin. I don't know if Wisconsin's ever going to play football again. Um, so Not likely. No, it doesn't look like that that's going to be the case. Because if they miss another week, then they don't qualify for a Big Ten title. But uh, give me Indiana as well, uh, mostly for the schadenfreude of seeing Michigan fail. If Michigan starts their season one and two, uh, I'm I'm here for that. Uh, so here's an interesting one. The next game we have picked out, um, Boise it- State. I think so. Boise State is okay. hosting. BYU. BYU's been beating teams like a drum. Um, They're getting a lot of love too. Uh, just not Zach by, Wilson. Not just Zach Wilson's getting a ton of love. Uh, Boise State is the Boise State starting. So one curious part about this is Boise State starting quarterback um, Hank Bachmeyer has been out. So it's actually former USC quarterback Jack Sears who's had to fill in for them the last two games. He's done well. Or the last game. So are you riding Jack Sears and the Boise State Broncos against uh, I am, the – I am. This, this, this BYU narrative has got to stop. 
at some point. And nobody ends things better than Boise State, maybe, yeah. in the last decade yeah. or so. So I, I just expect Boise State to do their duty here. I I'm gonna take I'm gonna take BYU because I'm going to take BYU for the rest of the year covering any spread that you give BYU. Uh, they're going to take the spread for it, and they're going to get to oh, sort of UCF their way through the season and get to to not be invited to the playoff. But um, I'm actually shocked at the at the line here. It is a uh, that's actually kind of sneaky how the lines only. I mean, Boise State's at home, but three is a, that is not a big line given the way that BYU has blown out teams. Boise State's only played two games a season, so. It's interesting. Um, next game. Largest outdoor cocktail party. I don't know what they call it now. They have some PC version for it or something. Um, Never. But it'll always be the worst. It'll, it'll always be the cocktail party. It's always the cocktail. It's like the Red River shootout for me. It's always going to be the shootout. I'm not going to call it the showdown. Get out of here with that. Did uh, they call it showdown? I thought it was just Red River rivalry, which is a Oh, is it rivalry? That's terrible. Like yeah, Red River I, shootout. If you drink half of a White Claw, you're slurring on Red River rivalry. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you ever want to sound like you're drunker than you really are, say Red River rivalry. Red River uh, rivalry. It, it's Red River shootout. Yeah, it's a shootout. It's Texas and Oklahoma. It's a shootout. Um, but this is a cocktail party because it's Florida Georgia line. And this Florida Georgia line is Georgia is favored by three and a half points against I I think it's fair to say the fighting Dan Mullins. Uh, Darth Gator. Darth, yeah, the Darth Gators. Uh, I'm trying to remember what I picked on my picks. I I think I took Georgia. Um, but just I'm man, I'm not feeling that right now. You just might have to go thinking. and update those picks then if you're not feeling it. I mean, if you're not feeling it, you know, you probably shouldn't pick it. Yeah, give me Georgia. There, there. I was thinking much more clearly when I sat down to do those. Uh, so I'm gonna stick with that. I just Georgia's defense is is still really good. So good. They're but how still, bad is Stetson Bennett? Yeah, they well, I I just think if someone get, put some like lifts in his shoes, he would be better. <laughs> he's just, he's uh, just he's so short. He's so short. Um, he got he's so short. I, yeah, I it, it's gonna be. I mean, three and a half is a big spread when you think like this because this could be like a. A 10 yeah. 7 game. And Florida State's, <laughs> not Florida State, but Florida has some kids suspended, I believe, from the uh, yeah. fallout from that brawl. Well, yeah, I guess has. strengths versus. We'll, 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 we'll separate here because uh, I think the two, the best player on the field is going to be, and who's not suspended, um, the, I, I'm not sure how much I believe in Kyle Trask as their their, their quarterback. Um, but he's throwing a Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I, see, I believe it. I believe in that Kyle. I believe in that Kyle. 
because uh, Kyle Pitts is one of the best tight ends that I've seen play college football in a number of years. Monster. Uh, he is. I can't wait Ooh. to see uh, Joe Burrow throw touchdowns to him uh, when the Cincinnati, <laughs> Cincinnati Bearcats drafted him in the first round. Is only Cincinnati <laughs> and Detroit uh, draft first round tight ends. Uh, one of these days, right? It'll completely pan out. Yeah, one of these days. Um, who's the, who's the guy that uh, uh, was uh, the Iowa kid that uh, Detroit uh, most recently drafted? Um, Hawken. I don't remember. Uh, I'm Lions I free. Can... It's a it's a Michigan thing. You go Lions free. I've I've converted to my wife converted me over the Steelers, 2013 when I watched uh, Saint Squirt. Well. Which is a slightly better run NFL. A slight uh, for sure. Uh, but yeah, give me Florida. I think Florida, I think that Kyle to Kyle connection um, gets it done. I don't know. I, I don't, Zeus has been okay running the football. Stetson as a quarterback has been wildly underwhelming. America jumped on Notre Dame for scoring 13 points against um, Louisville. And you didn't hear a peep out of those same pundits when Georgia scored 14 against Kentucky. So a part of me is just like, F you, Georgia. So give me Florida. Um, which brings me to the last game and the game that we're most interested in. Notre Dame is a five and a half point underdog as Clemson comes into town. I believe the game was going to be at 10 and a half. So Vegas, uh, the, the boys in the desert said that Trevor Lawrence was worth five points. Well, I think it's, oh. it, it started at 10 and a half. And then after the Louisville game, which was also the same week that Clemson beat Georgia tech, like 73 to seven, it <laughs> shot up to like 14, like 13 and a half or 14 or something like that. Yeah. And then, I, then I think it worked its way down just a wee bit. Um, and then here we are now with no Trevor Lawrence. So. Yeah, no Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I bet it even drops even further. I, I updated my line today before I think the the news uh, that they're missing two more starters on their defensive uh, front seven. So it probably gets down to four and a half before kickoff tomorrow or Saturday. Uh, <laughs> um, well, definitely throw Notre Dame in there. I mean, you're given. Given a team at home five and a half points that have won 22 games in a row in that stadium. Uh, that alarm bells for me are ringing. Uh, so, yeah, give me the give me the points as an easy one. Uh, as far as like the, the whole picture for for this game. Yeah. Yeah. Score prediction. What are you, what are you thinking? Yeah. I, well, I've been I've been kind of like I've been trying to map this out and I don't know if I have been doing like too much thinking about it. Oh, don't go full. Don't go full Samson on me. Don't go. Don't go full Samson with the, the all in on all in on Clemson. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I know. But I, so what I believe is this, if Clemson scores less than, what was it? If they score 23 points or less, they lose this game. If Notre Dame's able to hold them to 23 points or less, 23 points would be more than double of what Notre Dame is allowing this season as it is. I don't, I, 
It would be uh, half I of what Clemson is scoring on the season I, on I, the flip side. Yes, yes, but but which is what Notre Dame's doing to teams though. They sure are. Because Clemson's averaging 46.1 points per game. So when you say 40, 23, that is spot. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. I was, I was drinking quite a bit. (laughs) Think about this. I was thinking there was like a 30, I had like a 30, 20 line going on. Yeah. Like, like not necessarily saying one or the other. Notre Dame, Notre Dame cuts the air out of the ball. If Clemson scores 30 points, that's a win. I don't even have to think about anything else Notre Dame does. If Clemson scores 30, Clemson wins. I agree. If, and I think it was, maybe I, maybe I, I, res, I ended up with that. And then if they score less than 20, Notre Dame wins. And I know that like 19 points would be like ridiculously low for Clemson. But again, they've never, but that would be like, that's the line, right? So yeah, yeah. that's, that's where I could say that's the clear, the clear wall where you definitely would. So, but so I eventually kind of worked my way up. So I think Notre Dame wins this game. We'll go 27, 20, 27, 20. I like it. 47, a, uh, yeah. What's the over under on this game? Do you know? Uh, I stopped I looking know. at over unders this year, by the way. Like I, I, I used to use them uh, as kind of guide points for, picks, I mean, which is an easy way to do or a, a normal way to pick games, right? Like a lot of people will help. Use the over-under the over-unders. is 51 and a half. So you're, 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 you're slamming that under. Wait, are, what yeah, did you oh, say? Yeah. 27-20. So yeah, 47. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're under. You're on the under. 47. Yep. Uh, I, I think Notre Dame is going to do exactly what we talked about. I think they're going to look really clean and efficient early. Uh, which is kind of a Notre Dame staple in a way in a, for a lot of games they've played over the last five years. Uh, you know, maybe get a couple touchdowns. Maybe, maybe they go into the half, you know, 14, 17 points. Uh, I just, I just think that they are going to do Clemson's going to have a hard time finding the end zone. Now they have a really good kicker uh, who had a, his first, Miss, he missed an extra point last week, wasn't it? Yeah. Like his first one or whatever. Anyways, I just think Notre Dame's going to frustrate Clemson in that respect, where they're not, they're not going to be able to get into the end zone. Maybe Dabo takes a couple of field goals. Um, but I think they're going to make some mistakes trying to press the issue rather than taking points. Uh, I don't know. Just – I'm still in my I'm still in my mapping this shit out kind of a phase right now, but 27-20 feels like a um, feels like a decent enough number. You know, that's two touchdowns, two field goals for Clemson. Like I said, I th- think that they're going to be wanting more and expecting more. Maybe they press the issue like on a uh, like a 30, you know, instead of kicking a 46-yard field goal, going for it, not getting it, kind of one of those things. I don't know. Still mapping it out, but I think 27-20 is my baseline. So, since that bring your own gut season, the 2015 season that started everything, Clemson has lost two football games in the regular season. Two football games in the regular season since 2015. (laughs) 
One of those games, Syracuse and Pitt, Syracuse and Pitt. One of those games, the quarterback in the second half after Kelly Bryant was knocked out of the game was a man by the name of Zarek Cooper, who actually uh, is the quarterback for Jacksonville State now. Uh, and I was like, where have I heard the name Jack- Zarek Cooper? Because when I was looking this up, I was like, Zarek Cooper, who the hell is that? And I was like, where have I heard that before? Because I don't remember that game. Uh, they played Florida State this year and almost beat him. Uh, and he had like a perfect first half. Um, and then the only other game, that was in 2017. And then the only other game, uh, that was the, uh, the last time they lost. Was to, uh, The only other game they lost was in 2016, a 43-42 shootout against Pitt. Can you imagine Pitt scoring 43 points? Uh, yeah. Deshaun Watson threw 580 yards in that in that loss. So um, beating Clemson is very difficult. But beating Brian Kelly is also very difficult if you have the right mix. And what the right mix is, is in Brian Kelly's time at Notre Dame, he's lost 37 times. In those 37 times, he's only finished um, eight times of the 37 times that he's lost eight of the times, only eight of the times he's finished with more rushing yards. So if Brian Kelly loses, right? 29 of the times, 29 of his 37 losses have been the other team outrushed him. So if Brian Kelly outrushes a team, it is almost assuredly he's going to win the football game. On top of that, Brian Kelly has only lost four times when he has lost the turnover margin. And that's the loss. The turnover margin doesn't include uh, net zero. Uh, Of the four times that he's lost, three of them, Texas 2016, Stanford 2016, and VaTech 2016. They all came in the same season. The only time outside of that weird 2016 season that he's lost a football game at Notre Dame, having lost the turnover margin, was – uh, stand for 2010. So if Brian Kelly, if a Brian Kelly Notre Dame offense, if they win the rushing battle, so they 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 rush for more yards, and they win the turnover margin, if they do both of those time, both of those things, in all of the games that Brian Kelly has ever coached at Notre Dame, he's only lost one time with those two conditions. And that was the Virginia tech 2016 game, which was a, which was a terribly officiated football game. Terribly officiated football game. We might get that this weekend. Who knows? (laughs) Well, I don't know. Uh, Oof. But so what I'm saying is for a team in Notre Dame, that's only turned the ball over seven times. They, they've done a very good job. Ian book has one turn, one pick. Kyron Williams does have two fumbles lost, but Notre Dame is a very good, very good team at holding on to the football. Notre Dame is also in this football game. I can say without question, the superior rushing team. Both teams are very similar in rushing defense. Um, Clemson is the uh, 15th. Ranked rushing defense. I believe Notre Dame is the seventh ranked rushing defense. So both teams are very good at defending the run. But Clemson is, like I said, 
there's there's something to be said about Clemson's rushing game. Of Clemson's rush attempts this season, 49% of the time, it has been for three or fewer yards. They are not, they only have two rushes on the season of over 30 yards, and one of them was DJ um, Uyangalele. Uyangalele. I blew it at the, at the very end. I got it. Uh, Uyangalele. Uyangalele at the, uh, last week against Boston College went for 30. Other than that, against Miami, Travis Etienne had a 76-yard run. Notre Dame is the better rushing team. They have the better offensive line. So if Notre Dame holds on to the football, protects the football, and runs better, I do not see how it's possible that without Trevor Lawrence, Clemson wins this football game. Give me Notre Dame 24 to 10 as they just Ooh, suck the air out of the game for some turnovers Ten from the, points, the freshman. Huh? 10 points from the freshman Ooh. who makes mistakes in Notre Dame just closes the game out and has like a nine minute drive in the fourth quarter and just ends the game taking a knee. Like they've been doing, just give me like the ball been doing Okay. just a whole quarter eaten up. And by the way, every Davis sows for, for a first down and we all get really excited. <laughs> I don't have to eat a hat. <laughs> all right. <laughs> It's too bad. It's it really is too bad that Jude's half dead. I I would I would have liked so to angry know. at me. He would have been so angry at me. Uh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I mean, that's it. That's all we got to say on this. That's all I got. I mean, we could. That's all we got, and it's fine. It is a huge game. It is a. And a legacy game for Ian Book and a, and a legacy game for Brian Kelly. Uh, but more importantly, it's the path that they're on. If they lose this game, they can still end up playing Clemson again. It's like, the, welcome to conference life, people. Welcome to conference life. We're not, Notre Dame fans are not used to this. We're not used to a, to a big game meaning nothing. And essentially, that's what it, I mean, really meaning nothing like for the season. And it, it doesn't. I mean, it's a big game that means nothing because you win the rest of them and it's you play them again. Yeah, that's exactly right. What, you just end up playing them again. I mean, win or, win, or lose, win or lose, the odds for these two teams to play each other again in Charlotte are pretty good. Pretty good. And. If you win that game, you're going to the playoffs. So, it's it's a it's a strange thing. This is not this is not uh, pearl clutching time where you know that last second field goal to heart dagger, you know, dagger in the heart, uh, season ending kind of a thing. Because you can make up for it <laughs> later down the road. Who who said conferences are harder? I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, people in conferences wanted to dunk on Notre Dame. Yeah. Harder. Here I am with the clubs in week going like, eh, if, we, eh, if we lose, we lose. Yeah. Play them again. That's, that's what makes, uh, <laughs> that's what makes being a Notre Dame fan the best because every game matters the most. 
<laughs> so if, if you beat Clemson, you know what? If you you know what? If you beat Clemson this week, and then you lose to Boston College, doesn't it doesn't change your playoff odds any different because you're still going to end up the probably one, playing Clemson in the end. The one scenario that no one mentions is that say Notre Dame beat you know Notre Dame beats Clemson, and then somehow they find a way to just slip up again, Clemson. Yeah. Which with, with listen with COVID and injuries awesome. and what it's it is more of a possibility than a normal season. And then what? Then maybe you're facing Miami and Charlotte. Take that all day. That's that's part of the reason why when when people were like, oh, I hope, oh man, Clemson's got to win this game against Boston College. I was like, no, you could have then only had to have played Clemson once if you beat them, because then Clemson would have had two L's. So, I don't know. We are going to find out. Uh, go head on over to Wolf Down. <laughs> I got listen. I got the haiku post up this week, so it's it's a big enough week to break out haiku and limerick too. Uh, so get your good ones up there. A g- g- very good friend of the uh, uh, of the pod, uh, Kathleen. Her and her husband uh, got some limericks up on uh, the Facebook post that's, that's got on there. Solid work, by the way. Uh, let's see if I can pull that up real fast and, and I'll read them. <laughs> this is, this is wasn't playing on this. So it's going to take a second, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of good stuff up on the site right now. Kind of went over. We didn't even talk about uh, Notre Dame being cowards by not wearing green jerseys because they're cowards. They're cowards for not wearing them. Just, just wear them doesn't have to be 77 USC. It doesn't have to be this big halftime surprise. Just wear the damn things. Who cares? They're gorgeous. They're gorgeous, especially if you break out the uh, God, the 77 throwbacks. God, do that. Oof, that would look so good. So Remove Kathleen, the stain I, of the 2007 season. So do you have anything left? Because I'm going to leave us with, with, with this limerick from Kathleen. What do you got? No. Okay. Lay a limerick on me. All right. What I find very sweet is a nice T-bone of tiger meat washed down with Irish whiskey as we re- relish the history of vanquishing a team elite. Beautiful. Well done. Well done. Well done. Well done. Well done. <laughs> so yeah, get on. You know what? While I'm out here, my I got a couple. There's a couple of guys. Let's just read some limericks. That's how we're gonna close this thing out. They're they're short. They're sweet. Uh, Kathleen, that was a great one. Uh, they got some some guys up on the side. Have some up here. Uh, let's see here. Chris Tyree with a 50-yard gain. Kyle Hamilton inflicting more pain. The Irish D shows up. They rattle the backup. Dabo leaves his guts on the plane. Ah, that's a good one. Good way to squeeze them guts in there. That's a good one. Thank you. We are ND22. Uh, let's see. Clearwall's got one up there. Let's let's break that one out. You say that we have not a chance of defeating these Tigers. They're the best. They're overrated, they say, but at the end of the day, the domers shall puff up their chests. 
Good stuff. No, I'm going to have to jump onto this this year one foot down website and come up with my own limerick. Uh, someone just just dumping some on here now. Uh, hey, here's what it ties in with the podcast. Let's see if uh, this is from ND uh, OCD about the guy on the field. You can't really call it a sin that he's neither a Clawson nor Quinn, but you can bet Ian Book by hook or by crook will lead our boys to a win. Fucking excellent. Very excellent. Oh, man. <laughs> Just a, was a big game coach BK. Not something we are used to. Two point conversion. Oh, that was a haiku. Sorry. <laughs> that was one of my haikus. <laughs> so I was re- reading that wrong. Another, I got another good one here. Clemson quarterback. Full name is impossible. Not Trevor Lawrence. Anyways, just one of the this this is big game week for us. We're having some fun over the site. There's a ton more to come. Uh, man, I'm excited, Brendan. I am excited. I don't know how you can't get excited for all of the dunking we did on people. This is a very exciting game. It shouldn't it shouldn't be lost on us that this is very exciting that we're playing the number one team in the nation in Notre Dame Stadium. The, the the fact that you were trying to write off the rest of the season, I take I take issue with, but it should not be lost. I'm that offended. This is very exciting. All right. Well, that's it for us. Fucking strap it up, y'all. Strap it up. Get ready to go. Fucking whatever you have to do to control yourself uh, for the next what, 48 hours or whatever the hell it is. Uh, just do it, man. It's, it, it's going to be time. Got a feeling Notre Dame's going to do this. Let's get the win. Let's move our ranking up to, what, number two? I think If Notre Dame beats Clemson, do they slide up to two? I would think that if they beat Clemson, they should leapfrog an Ohio State team that hasn't played a team with a winning record. But Alabama gets win. that spot, right? Uh, yeah, Alabama. I, mean, I, make, I mean, I'll make a strong, I, and I probably will, I'll make a strong-ass argument Notre Dame should be number one if they beat Clemson. If, but I'll, if Florida, I'll if Florida beats Georgia, if Florida beats Georgia, I think that you can make an argument for Notre Dame. If Georgia beats Florida, then I think Alabama then would have a win on the same level. Okay. So I picked against my okay. <laughs> best interest. Line up, Grace Hall, fuckers. Go Irish. <laughs> <laughs>